Welcome back into the great Scott show coming in hot and loud on a Friday. Joining me now as we uh, take a break from talking about that game over at Lamson Park last night. We'll talk a little more about UL Alabama softball game later. We'll get into college baseball next hour. Kendall Rogers, managing editor of D1Baseball.com, will join me. But uh, joining me right now is our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, Gus Cattengill, over there in the Crescent City. The Pelicans get back to play tonight against Phoenix, who are without Chris Paul. Um, the Zion saga continues. The Saints, looks like their staff is pretty much filled out. So here to talk about all that a little bit more, our good friend Gus. Good morning, Gus. How's life, man? What's going on? Happy Friday. What's up, my man? How are you? Happy Mardi Gras weekend. That's right. Mardi Gras weekend. You know, I miss my days of living in New Orleans. Mardi Gras was always uh, such a fun, big part of it. Are Are you at the age now where, like, I know you have fun. You take your kids to a parade. I've taken mine to some. It's fun. But is it, do you reach an age where it just becomes annoying at times? Like, man, the barricades, now i got to take a different route. Or is it still just in your blood? Do you still just love it? I, I love it. Um, and, Scott, uh, I, I will say this. I, I think to alleviate some of that, uh, planning is probably uh, taken of more importance, right? So, um, I you know, you're kind of familiar with me a lot of times. You know, we, we'll do two, three-hour shows. We'll call games. I kind of train myself to either, you know, go to the bathroom in a three-minute break. That's right. Or That's wait right. for three hours. So, uh-huh. Kind of good with it. I strategically bring beverages um, during parades that won't make me go to the porta potty as much. My wife, not so much. So when we go to Orleans Parish or wherever we go to parade route, we always look to see where there's bathrooms, where there's clean bathrooms. We go downtown. We go to a place that it's a church, and they use that as a fundraiser for their trips throughout the year. So we help the church at the same time. They they put together like, you know, something like 10 to 12 portalettes and they got people wiping them and cleaning and spraying after every, you know, use and people squirting stuff in your hands and everything to clean it and everything. So we always go there. We call it the Christ potty. I mean, it's a church. So we, we always go there. <laughs> just don't, know just it's, don't you know, use it's, the... It's clean. It's great for kids and great for women. And um, so we always stand within a block or two of that area right. because of it. Um, and then when we stay here in Metairie, we always strategically have a place where we can park. I can get in and out for traffic. So I'm like that insurance commercial, you know, where you see those those people get to a ball game and they're talking about parking already and <laughs> what time they need to leave in the quarter. So if I do all of that, I kind of, you know, it does alleviate it, man. But um, no, I, I like it. I, I love it. I, I'm I, I'm for any reason to get people together, uh, whether it's family or friends, and now with Carver to just, you know, Enjoy yourself. I mean, if I catch a bead, great. It's more about him because I actually enjoy it now more because of him because he gets stuff. But it was just me and my wife. It was always just my wife that got beat. I never got anything. So, you know, like, I'm okay with this. So uh, I like standing next to the little ladder for, with Carver, and um, he gets a ton of throws. So I just I, – I actually just got to pay attention so we don't get pegged, you know, in the head right there. Like, my wife got pegged by a hula hoop on Saturday. But, yeah. I mean, it's uh, – it's fun, man. I like it. It's it's unique, and you know, 
like this weekend, I'll be in Philadelphia. You don't come back till Sunday. We leave Mardi Gras day at one. So I might be able to get like two hours in uh, before I have to run to the airport and and catch the charter. So when you're, when you're not around it, you see it around you, you missed it. My sister lives in Vermont. She misses it. So, you know, I I never take it for granted because I never know when it's my last one, you know? Amen, dude. Like I, I am always been pro Mardi Gras. I grew up on it. You know, born in Opelousas, but my mom was from New Orleans. We'd drive to New Orleans every year, stay with her parents, go to the parades, lived in NOLA. Of course, we got great Mardi Gras here in Lafayette as well. And you said it, especially when you have kids. It's one thing when you're, like, younger in your 20s, like, just get a group of friends. Ah, we'll figure it out. Let's just go, right? You know, just drink a little and have fun. When you have kids, you better plan that thing down. Because if you don't have the parking and you don't have the the, the bathroom, then it changes everything. But – you know, you mentioned a hula hoop. My two-year-old caught a hula hoop last week at the parade. There is, yeah, I, even though they're going to forget all this stuff they catch in like you know a week, them going home with all this stuff that they just got from from a parade, that excitement. There's nothing like kids. Absolutely, kids love parades as much as they love like video games. There's nothing. There's nothing like it, man. And uh, and yeah, everywhere else next week Tuesday is just another day. Why would you? Why would you not love Mardi Gras? Like, why would you not embrace Fat Tuesday? And of course, you know here Mardi Gras coincides with a whole lot of sports going on. We got a busy weekend. We got four UL sports happening, and it's you know big games. We'll be covering it a lot. But I uh, I'm all about Mardi Gras. Uh, I think it's awesome. And and you know people like King Cakes, all that other stuff. That's all fine. That's all cool. But just parades man i i think people from other parts of the country they might just think of it as oh people flash themselves and get beads thrown no it's you you go to a good parade you bring your family there's 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 a little bit of something for everybody man so i'm i'm pro mardi gras 100 percent. no man i hear you and i think um like i said it's 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 kind of one of those things where obviously you want to go where the kid has fun and, and you have a good time and you know man i i it, it, it's just like anything, though. You're just looking for somewhere to go, hang out, and where people can be safe and all those things, man. And that's uh, that's getting harder and harder to do, you know. But you know, I look forward to it. So you know, it's here. You wait for it all season, and you know, you have your fill of king cake, and then you move on. ESPN Lafayette best ticket in sports. When it comes to Zion Williamson, Gus, should the Pelicans this summer? move on should they figure it out what uh, what is the future that will unfold you know i people will say they know they don't you know some people in the organization there's one line of thinking in that they know a lot they know something that they're not saying and then there's another line of thinking that they're totally estranged from them and, and have no idea what's going on with the anecdotally comments from griff so Gus, um, not that you know, but you know more than some. What what is the future with Zion and the Pelicans? Uh, I, I would say it's it's kind of twofold, right? I would say one, it's to be determined. I think that's probably a very good way to characterize it. To be determined, and what I mean by that is to be determined by him. I mean, look, the organization obviously wants him to play. The organization obviously wants him to be a part of the team and realize the potential that everybody expects and wanted him to be when he was selected number one overall. 
So that is definitely what they want from him and, and what everybody wants. Right? I mean, you know, Scott, I, I think I told you this last week, even when you came on our show or come on yours, that you know, the week of two weeks ago, whatever the trade deadline was, I, I was just, you know, baffled by the amount of people that, uh, that you know, wanted to trade Zion and Cape Jackson Hay, which, again, it's just, I mean, that's just laughable. Pres- right? Prisoner I mean, of the moment. Prisoner of the crazy. moment. Right. But I'm just telling you, that again, it's the, you know, you're seeing it, you see a guy trying, you see a guy playing, and, and again, a lot of times perception can become reality, but a lot of times, though, perception is reality. And I think what's been interesting over the last you know, four or five days here, this past week, Scott, when you go back to last week when C.J. McCollum uh, made his comment, which I think set off a chain of events. I think all of that was done for reasons, and I think um, when you look at the fact that J.J. Reddick is represented by the same agency as Zion, and you have all these, you know, comments that he makes, bringing up the fact that he's a teammate, calls him detached. I mean, these are very specific things. These aren't um, hearsay. This isn't, you know, and I said this on our show, this isn't, Jake Madison from Lost on Tales, Jeff Cattendale, Scott Prather, Fletcher, you know, all these reporters, bloggers, whatever, speculating or thinking. And I can promise you, these are all conversations we have had over the last two to three years, whether it's privately or publicly, right, to an extent. And because there is some sort of level of, hey, look, unless I see it and know it for certain, you've got to be careful, right? I mean, I, I can't go and just go on the air and say some guy told me that he saw Zion wolfing down pieces. I mean, I, I gotta, I, you know, I, I make sure that either I saw him, his teammates saw him, somebody on the team playing, you know what I'm saying? I gotta make sure. But I mean, this week alone, what's changed is it's not about his weight. It's about his profession, about his approach to people. And I think that's what changed. You know, you, you had, this week, C.J. McCollum, the president of the Players Association, where 400 people vote him in, say this guy hadn't talked. And on national TV, have guys like Kenny Smith like, wait a minute, and Shaquille, and say, wait a minute, Kenny Smith reached out to you, not the other way around. I mean, this is a guy whose job is to try to get you the best deal, the best condition, and he represents the Players Association. There's a certain level of respect that comes in. You know, and I've said this all along. So lack of respect that he's shown Willie Green by not being a part of the team or falling asleep in meetings like Jake Madison reported, not showing up to workouts or putting in the effort in workouts and doing things of that nature. These are all things that, you know, we've all talked about and reported, but now everybody is talking about. And then what you see now is a situation where you have some – people that are on the team talking about it and, you know, like guys like J.J. Reddick saying he's detached or, you know, he's addressed it with them as a rookie in front of the team. These are very specific things. And you go to Kendrick Perkins on Wednesday on ESPN saying, hey, look, I, uh, I remember coaching at the combine 
and seeing two pizzas being delivered to Zion Williams in his room. I mean, that's, that's just a combine. That's three years ago. So this isn't any longer about what did Griff do, how bad was the hire Stan Van Gundy. I mean, belief happy, you know, and not every move works. And that was been my message this week, and that's how I opened up the show this week on Monday. Um, God, sometimes we work for people that they didn't care for, or, you know, we felt that maybe didn't know what they were doing, but there's a certain level of respect. And, you know, until you're the boss or you have a situation to rectify it or leave, then is what it is. And he's gone about it the wrong way. He's gotten some very bad advice. And I think what you've seen this week is maybe some clar- clarification of where that advice is coming from, Scott, because I can't imagine his agent can like the way he's being portrayed. I can't imagine the agency feels it helps business to be seen a certain way to where what endorsements are you going to get? You're being portrayed as somebody that's immature and selfish and can't handle his own business. So, you know, I've heard and people have felt with, by backing things up, like, like Ali Postel this week came on our show. And said, you know, I went back and listened to the last two interviews he's done. So he hasn't done a lot of interviews. So when you go back and listen to him, almost after every question, he always mentioned that he's going to go either refer to or get advised by a train. And that's been the biggest issue. I mean, I called it back early in the week, stuff like a Bieber, Lohan, Baldwin kid, you know, Miley Cyrus sort of thing where when you have family that make decisions and don't let you grow as a person, you're just, you're just going to have a moment of catastrophicness and then eventually hopefully that person wakes up. You know, just, it is what it is. So um, you, you hope that seeing him reach out to see Jim McCollum this week posting story on Instagram that had a Pelican player in um, You just you hope that the signs of somebody got the message, whether it was an agency or whether it was his family members or, like I could say, at some point, you cannot look at Twitter, you cannot read, stop praying for the thing on, you know, ESPN last year or listen to my show. But that guy has to have Portland on. He has to be watching on TNT. And everywhere you look right now, they're questioning his professionalism if he wants to play and whether or not he wants to be in it. So at some point, he's got to start making his decision. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports, Gus Cangiel, our guest. If you're listening via the stream, it is brought to you by Champagne's Market in the Wilson Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Great place to get some food, groceries, whatever you're looking for. Also, coming to you from the ESPN Lafayette Studios, sponsored by Bet Rivers, the best sports book in Louisiana online. Check, more, check out more at betrivers.com. Gus is our guest. Uh, last Pels thing for you, Gus. I mean, the good thing is they're getting back to play tonight. Uh, they are taking on the Phoenix Suns, who are 48-10. and 10. Uh, They won't have Chris Paul. But with 23 games to play and the Pels being um, two games out of the 10 spot, what is your because I don't again I don't think Zion's playing this year. 
uh, this season, rather. What, what is your prediction as far as the Pels here at the end of the season? Do they do they get into the play-in, or are they going to be on the outside looking in when all is said and done? You know, I think you can look at the two teams that are above them, right? So you have the Lakers with Anthony Davis hurt. They're a disaster right now, whether or not LeBron will be there. Are they trading him? Does he wants different moves made? Does it behoove the Lakers? make it into the postseason and make a run. And I, I, I mean, there's so much stuff being talked about this week from our organization credit. So not having AD is going to hurt them. They're only two games from the 10th spot. So they're going to be fighting to be in the play-in game. The Blazers, the team that you traded with, just lost Nurkic. So they made all those trades to kind of rebuild that have been winning <laughs> – Josh Hart, Larry Bird, all of a sudden. Um, but they lost another player. So it's there for the Pelicans. And I think these first two games out of the break, man, you know what, I've Chris Paul, you don't have anything, maybe. Suns and Lakers, I know that's hard. But you have 23 games left. You got to win at least half. I mean, you got you to you you be better than 500, right? But you better be better than 500. So. We got to change some wins together, Scott. I still think they can make the ten spot. I do, but they're gonna have to go on a streak here where, you know, seven and three in the last ten. I think it's almost minimum. And 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 they get to play those teams, right? They have three against the Lakers. They have two against Portland. They have two against San Antonio. So those teams that you know, and I, I think ultimately the Lakers are far enough ahead where they'll be there. But in terms of San Antonio and Portland, you've got your opportunities head to head as well. So there's, it's there, it's there for the taking, and, you know, maybe you're one and done if you get in there. Okay, whatever. It, it, the McCollum thing more is about long-term, and obviously the discussion about Zion is as well. That is Gus Cattengale, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. I am Scott Prather. We're going to take a quick timeout. Coming up, though, reminder, in the 8 o'clock hour, Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball is set to join me. The Cajuns in uh, Round Rock this weekend in Austin taking on Three good teams, two ranked in the top five in Stanford and Arkansas. We'll get Kendall's thoughts on the Cajuns and some other college baseball things as a whole. College baseball in Louisiana, LSU, La Tech. Uh, plenty to talk about with Kendall. And uh, we'll talk some more Cajun softball as well. Their game last night against Alabama. We got hoops coming up as well. Sunbelt and SEC we're going to get into. But the Saints, looks like their coaching staff is set. Looks like, no surprise, they're likely moving on from Bradley Roby. couple of things to touch on. In regards to the black and gold, we're going to do it with our friend Gus Cattengill when we come back right after this. This is The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Into the great Scott show. 
Saints and Pelicans correspondent Gus Gangel with us now for the Pro Nola segment. We'll spend a little time on the Saints, Gus, and something you and I talked about on your show as we get right into it was the uh, co-defensive coordinator decision uh, with uh, Chris Richard and with um, Ryan Nielsen. And, you know, I, I see, I would say that at least the majority of the response to it from the public has been kind of slanted negative. Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And I, I said this on your show, and then I'll toss it to you. I don't have issues with co-coordinators when the head coach is the one who's primarily the focus of that side of the ball, right? Like at UL last year, Billy Napier was the head coach. He had co-offensive coordinators, Michael Desimo and Tim Leger. Um, Des is now the head coach at UL, and Leger is the sole OC, but Napier was the play caller. So every by, by all accounts, Dennis Allen is still going to be you know, the the guy calling the defense on game day, I would have a lot more concern if there were co-offensive coordinators. But after a lot of the interviews and the process, it, it looks like a lot of what the Saints did, Gus, is what a lot of people expected them to do. And that was run back a lot of what they had before, just a few small changes here and there. And, of course, I say a few small ones, one major one, that is Sean Payton is no longer there. But I think... The way the process played out has some fans maybe grinding their teeth a little bit about it all. I mean, you get a lot of calls about the Saints on your show in New Orleans every single day. What is the pulse over there about how these how how Dennis Allen's staff has been filled out? It's interesting because I would say it's how the time if I say Nick, well, I would say come full circle, right? Start out with all right, Sean's gone. What do you do? Those calls. Elevate Dennis Allen makes sense. Give the offense coordinator job to Carmichael. Elevate Nielsen or Richard to be coordinator. Just bring him back. Got a good talent to defense. Makes sense. Then all the interviews start coming, and people see some of the names. And then it became all Being an innovative coach. To the offensive coordinator. See what they got out there. Defensive coordinator. And when it wound up being what we thought it was going to be, it was, oh, here we go again. <laughs> you know, the offense is terrible. And they're handing it over to the guy. You know, look, it's, it's kind of funny because you're right, Scott. It's literally why getting a salary in space, right? It makes sense. He's, Work with the majority of the staff for years. 12 or 16 under Sean Payton. I understand that he said he wants to put his own staple and his own ingredients on the thing, but even he said if it's not great, if it's not broken, locked it. And I think there's some things that he would like to change, which he saw offensive line, receivers, coach, and I'm sure there's going to be some differences. But when you look at continuity, it just makes sense based off of the roster you have. And it's something that you and I have been talking about for weeks here. When you look at the roster, you're not starting to scratch. You're not the Jags. You're not the Giants. You're not trying to figure out who you are identity-wise. You're not, you're not taking those fits, trying to reestablish or establish who you are. You're not what Napier is doing in Florida. You know, identity. 
seems to be able to tweet what they put out there, which is what he did with the Cajuns, trying to create the culture. That, that's not where the Saints are. <laughs> They're literally a team that, you know, barring their kicker getting hurt, losing a starting quarterback, the NFL going, you know, COVID crazy, and all this stuff, it's probably a playoff team. So you probably want a staff that's familiar with those players. You probably want an offensive philosophy that doesn't differ much because you have young players on that side of the football at receiver, at tight end, and throwing them a whole new offensive system, that's smarter than giving the guy that has been helping come up with the plays and coming up with the game plans. You see him coaching on the field, you know, keeping them there. It makes sense, to be honest with you. And I think looking at the roster, looking at the personnel, seeing Michael Thomas coming back um, in a way that he is, being active again on social media, declaring he's ready to go monster mode and such. I mean, you add that all together, it just makes sense. And, you know, let's see what happens. If it doesn't work out this year, it doesn't do that, then he can always make changes. Sean Payton, the most hip to, you know, 2009 went through how many defensive coordinators? You know, I mean, seriously, how many kickers? How many different position groups and coaches have to replace because of either attrition or getting jobs or what have you? So, you know, to, to think that Dennis Allen's staff that he has right now is going to be the one in two years, three years, it's just not. And, you know, let's, let's see what happens. See what happens. That, that's, that's really it. Like, I, I get why they're doing what they're doing. I also have no idea if it's going to work. I mean, we can point to last year and some of the things. Like, it's not having Sean Payton was huge in 2012. And they still went 7-9 and nine, had this great offense, but it was huge. And it was an odd situation, um, obviously, with the NFL and the suspension. The offense obviously was, was worlds better than what it, it currently is. But defensively, it was historically bad. And... Uh, you know, the Saints defensively are pretty good right now. So I, I I don't know if the Saints are about to go into a lull. I don't know if they're about to go downward. I don't. I, I, I also am not, like, as confident as I would be about the team, like, in 2018, 2019, 2020. Like, I don't. I'm not, I'm not sure. And I think at this point, you try to run it back, you tinker the roster a little bit, and you see what you got in an NFC South that – and you got you got Bruce Arians out there not ruling out Blaine Gabbert maybe being the starter for the, the, the Buccaneers next year. Um, Saints only have three under contract: Taysom Hill, you know Ian Book, and Blake Bortles. And I don't think they really want any of those guys to be starting Week One. Most signs are pointing to Jameis. We'll see. There's still work to be done there. My final Saints question for you, Gus, is this: and we talked about it on your show Wednesday. Marcus Williams, Teron Armstead. Now, Armstead, contractually, you could say, well, let's wait and see. They're going to they're gonna have to rework something maybe. Because, like, he's, 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 he's going to be available. Or Marcus Williams, we know, I doubt they're going to franchise tag him twice. Probably, you know, a free agent. Let's say they can only keep one of those guys. You know what? I won't even, I won't even put parameters on what I'm going to ask you. Those two players, where is their future in 2022? It's a good question. We actually talked about that on um, Wednesday. I had Larry Holder on, and I said, hey, look, what's, uh, 
you look at those two players, those are the two biggest names. Those are the two biggest dominoes, I guess to say, in free agency. He's like, look, I could see $20 million for Toronto. And Scott, I always give you the credit. You told me long ago, you either have a, a tackle or you're going to overpay for them. And you're the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> so they're going to throw a lot of money at Toronto. That's just one thing. How many other teams? The Bears, the Fields. I mean, I, you can look at all of these young QBs. Um, but if the Jags get a top tackle with their pick and then sign Toronto Armstead, all of a sudden that line protects their young quarterback. I, I just don't see the same. And I don't think they should, to be honest with you. Spend 20 or more for a guy that's been injured for them and really where they are. Because um, you, you don't know, as Larry brought up, a very good point. You don't know how much your quarterback's in the car. I, Scott, do you get a sense that same thing? I think that they feel Jameis could be the quarterback. Smells like it. Feels like it. Likely to be. But do you also take a sense of feeling like same thing? going to do it for like seven million. You know what I'm saying? Like it costs so some I money. I don't think he's going to show up for a bag of beignets simply because he's going to be other teams interested in him. And despite the knee injury, I think demand is going to make it to where he's going to be in the team. I, I still would be surprised if he get up for under 20. I really honestly feel that way because Whoa. there's so many teams that want yeah. a, a different quarterback. And, and that, that's the difference to me, I think, than two years ago um, when you had a draft with a lot of quarterbacks coming in and things of that nature. I mean, I, I do think, in my heart of hearts, I think there's a wink-wink handshake understanding or even deal between the two because, you know, Marcus Williams posted the tweet for him bench pressing. He went in St. <laughs> you know, every single video that's posted from Jameis, he's wearing St. So I do think it's him. But, again, 20 mil to Toronto instead of you, invest that in your quarterback. Uh, uh, invest yeah. that in free agency at receiver. Invest that in free agency at Quit. safety. Because Marcus Williams, Larry, thinks it's going to be north of 15. Now, the Tiger put 14 last year. So you were able to pay that last year. Will you do it now? I, I think you have one. I think they do try for Marcus. But I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't either. I think Williams will be there. Toronto won't, but they're going to put draft capital into the tackle spot. And it, and you saw when the line was shoddy last year, it was it was bad. Armstead is like he's not Marcus Davenport, Jason, because Davenport is that Ferrari that works less than half the time. Armstead will still the engine will still run when it's a little beat up, and every now and then you do have to take it to the shop, right? Uh, you do, but man, when that thing like he is so great when he is in there, he is going to get a big payday. I just think with Dennis Allen now being the head coach, seeing how much the Saints valued Williams last year when they had to cut people and do a lot to get under the cap, and they signed him with a franchise tag, it, it now he now the head coach is defensive-minded guy. I think they're going to put a premium on Williams. I would sus- I, I suspect that between him and Armstead, Williams is probably back. Armstead's not, which I would I, I love Teron Armstead. I mean he's. He's been a great player. He's a team captain. He's got mad respect, and when he's healthy, he's really good. But uh, they're going to be tough decisions made again in the offseason. We're going to let you uh, run. Gus Gattengill has been our guest. Follow him on Twitter at GCAT underscore 17 at G-K-A-T-T underscore 17. He is host of the Sports Hangover in New Orleans 
uh, weekdays, noon to 3, ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans. Gus, it's always fun talking, man. Uh, safe travels even throughout Mardi Gras. I know it's busy as you're, uh, you're doing some play-by-play in the meantime, but try to enjoy yourself. Love seeing the pics of you guys parading with, uh, with the young one. And like we said when we started this conversation, when you're parading with kids, it's all about planning. It is all about preparation, right? Get, make sure you know where you're parking, the spot you're going to be, the closest bathroom. You do all of that, you're going to have a great time. Be safe out there, everybody. But, but take Gus's advice when it comes to parading with kids. <laughs> no, no doubt. It also applies to, to the wives. <laughs> make, make sure they're happy. Get them what they need and get a snacks and everything from that order. It'll be fun. I love it. You enjoy yourselves. And Scott, to echo what you're saying, be safe, man. Remember, when you're leaving parade routes or whatever, there's kids, adults in between those cars that shoot out on those busy streets. And every year is a terrible story. So just take your time getting back and forth. Appreciate it, brother. All the best, man, and uh, happy Mardi Gras, and we'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good, buddy, as always. Appreciate it, Scott.